coming up on this week's episode of News of the Week for episode 345 of the YLP Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, whoo, what a week we have had. First full week of Triple H truly being the king, the creative king, that is, of the WWE kingdom. And that, of course, began with SummerSlam that went down last Saturday. We're going to be discussing all of that. And uh, this will be a more positive review. I promise you that I put that on everything. I promise you it's going to be a more positive review than uh, in years past. You have my word on that. But, of course, y'all know I got all the news that's fit for me to talk about, including AEW expanding their talent relations and development team. I'll be talking about why this is actually a good thing for not just AEW, but for Tony Khan as a whole. We'll be discussing that on this week's episode. Also, with Triple H becoming the uh, god of creative in WWE, WWE's backstage morale has been up huge following the success of Monday Night Raw this past week. In a report from WokeCulture.com, we're going to have some fun with this. I promise you on all that. Also, and take this with a grain of salt because I listened to the uh, Kings of the Rings podcast uh, this pa- uh, earlier this week. And uh, as the story goes, apparently Sasha Banks and Naomi have reached a deal to return to the WWE. Excuse me. We'll be talking about that, how I feel about it, and what this could mean for WWE as a whole going forward. All of that and more on this week's episode of the YLP Podcast. Man. It's been a whole ass week and it just feels all kind of different. It feels good. So let's make sure we close out this intro in the uh, most proper way that we know how. Because ladies and gentlemen, this is episode 345 of the YLP podcast. Let's hit that intro. Let's get it started. And with that being said, let us begin. Guys, Zach from the Rest of the Issues Podcast here, and welcome to episode 345 of the YLP Podcast. So glad to have you guys here with me on this fine Saturday, and I hope you're enjoying your day, your night, your afternoon, and your evening, wherever you may be, wherever you are in the world. Thank you guys so much for taking out this episode of the podcast, and as always, I greatly and truly appreciate it. It is Saturday, August 6th, 2022. It is Battle of the Belts Day. But we ain't going to be talking about Battle of the Belts preview and predictions this week because I haven't done it since the beginning in January. 
and more than likely I don't plan on doing it now. So if you hope, were hoping for a Battle of the Belts preview and predictions, I am sorry to burst your wonderful bubble, um, but sometimes I gotta take the pin and just pop that shit real damn quick. Of course, if you have any questions, comments, concerns about today's episode, or any of the other 344 episodes of the YLB Podcast, do not hesitate to leave your boy a voice message over at anchor.fm slash young lines perspective over on anchor.fm slash wrestleatic radio over on ambiguous podcast solutions.com and everywhere else you listen to podcast hope you guys had a pretty damn good week considering the fact that uh there is a new sheriff in town in terms of creative in wwe we're gonna get to that in just a little bit of course of all the news is fit for me to talk about including of course the rumor that uh, sasha makes and naomi have Apparently, apparently, uh, reached the deal to join, rejoin the WWE. I got news on uh, the AEW team expanding their talent relations and development team. I got news on backstage morale being up from uh, this past Monday's Raw and a little bit more in today's episode. Uh, so this should be a fun one, uh, of course, because, you know, it's YLP Podcast. And that's how we get down here on WrestleLetic Radio, The Cure for the Common Wrestling Podcast. Again, hope you guys had a really solid week. Uh, productive kick-ass week hope everything uh you wanted to do this week and take care of was taken care of and um you know and i usually say that because i want to see the best out of all of you guys every person who listens to this episode um or any of my episodes of the podcast i always now have started to say hope you guys had a productive kick-ass week because i always want to see the best for you guys not just for myself not just for miss ylp and for mr ylp jr aka mile the doge um but i want to see the best out of all of you guys and in doing that, um, I've neglected myself a tad bit this week. It's not um, something I don't. It, I mean, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll put it like this: because I want to be as about as transparent and authentic with you motherfuckers as possible, and I love every single one of y'all um, for it. So, um, for those of you who may have been listening for the longest time. Um, y'all know about my, uh, little, little mental lapse that I had last year, um, during the, actually, yeah, during the pandemic, um, during the early stages of the pandemic, actually in 2020, uh, when I discussed my break, my, a uh, little bit of a mental breakdown that I had, um, while still living in New Jersey and, uh, dealing with the pandemic and all that shit. Um, ever since then, since then, since that episode, I have actually tried to get my stuff sorted out and, um, and I did. I took care of all of that and got to the point where I'm moving to Colorado and, you know, living and being with Miss YLP, who I adore uh, so fucking much. And honestly, she has really done a lot for me in terms of, you know, taking on, you know, and coming face to face with, you know, you know, any obstacles I may have mentally, fears, anything like that. She is, I have always told her, you know, since the beginning, since we actually started uh, dating, and for those of you who may not know, we were actually in a long-distance relationship for about a year before we were actually able to come together and actually be together and around each other physically, um, you know, for more than a week. Um, so some of y'all may not have known that. Um, others may have, others have known. Others do know about, you know, the the origins of myself and Miss YLP's relationship. Um, but she has helped me a lot. In many ways with, you know, trying to get my mind right and trying to, you know, overcome 
certain mental obstacles that I have had in the past that I didn't really recognize nor understand. It was just a something I had to deal with, overcome and get past it and just we'll keep it moving. But when you but the thing is, people, um, when, you know, you just deal with, you know, an issue, but not fully, completely deal with said issue. It's a lingering, lingering thing, you know, that comes along and it hangs like a black cloud over you for some time. I didn't really recognize the black cloud, the rain, why I'm, you know, metaphorically feeling the rain come down on me. Okay, pause. Stop it. Y'all nasty. You're nasty. I mean, I know I am, but I'm a smart ass. Not going to act like that. Leave it alone. Pause. But uh, metaphorically, you know, I had that dark cloud hanging over me and it was just raining constantly uh, in my mind. If you get the if you understand the whole deal there. But what I wanted to discuss before we get into today's episode of my SummerSlam review is overcoming mental obstacles. And this week was one of those weeks where I've really had to overcome some shit with myself, not with anything else, but with myself, feel me? And the one big thing that, um, for those of you who have been rocking with me for the longest time, will kind of have an idea of it. Uh, I had a, I have a bit of a perfectionist mentality, um, stemming from, you know, dealing with, you know, the fact that, um, my parents divorced when I was one and, you know, trying to, I guess growing up as a kid, trying to appease um, my mom and my grandmother um, and all that stuff as a way of just, you know, receiving validation from them. Um, stemming from, you know, not having my father around and just wanting, you know, that attention and all that stuff. And that kind of built up over time into me becoming somewhat of a, of a perfectionist and Especially with the podcast, this was my one thing. This was my everything. This is, well, it isn't my everything. I have more things. I have Ms. YLP, I have Mr. YLP Jr. I have my family, of course. But in terms of the podcast, and especially through the Workhorse era, for those of you who have been around for quite some time, y'all know how I got down with the Workhorse era. I was doing three shows a week. And for those of you who may not understand what it do, what it does to you to do three shows a week, every week for over a year, um, it was one of those things where I just wanted it. I just wanted the show to be the best it could possibly be. So I always strived for perfection, but in doing so, I was overlooking an issue that I guess I never fully addressed or really have been able to, you know, have the time to address it myself. Um, so it was one of those things where I never really didn't really understand the glaring issue within myself um, to be able to address it, acknowledge it, recognize it and try to begin the road to getting to understand myself better and growing as a person and as a human being overall. Um, and. So in understanding that, you know, having, you know, you know, talking with Miss YLP and um, really getting to understand myself, it really came down to, you know, I'll tell you guys a story of how, how this came to be. Um, the, re the main reason I had been feeling some kind of way in terms of 
being here was kind of the same feeling I had uh, when I moved to Myrtle Beach back when I was 25. Um, a young line, if you will. Um, so when I moved to Myrtle Beach at 25, I, I actually lived with my two best friends who were my roommates. And in the first, within like the first year or so, I felt a feeling of, you know, homesickness, of course, you know, being this is my first time being away from home in my entire life and living completely somewhere else, in a sense, on my own. Um, I really was worried. Worried that I wasn't going to be able to take care of myself and worried I wasn't going to be able to do X, Y, and Z and all this stuff. But I had lived there for three years. Um being able to take care of myself and handling biz and going through everything that goes through when you're living in a, a new place, new town and having new experiences and all that good shit. But I learned a lot about myself in that, in those three years of time and, um, understanding that I could, if I had to get, get down to the nitty gritty and really make sure that I was handling that. I kind of got a sense of feeling of that like that this week, ladies and gentlemen. Um, it wasn't a feeling of like dread or anything. It was a feeling of worry, you know, because this was the legitimate first time I was living with my my girl, um, with Miss YLP. And, um, you know, I had really talked to her about, you know, how I felt, how I, how I was worried and really letting letting myself just be a little bit vulnerable, if you will. Um, and all that. So I was able to really just let everything out, how I was feeling, you know, having that sense of worry that I wasn't going to, you know, be willing to take that initiative, be willing to truly be the leader of the, of the, of the YLP family and all that good stuff in between. And, you know, in letting all of that out, I was able to understand a little bit more about myself, feel me? And the perfectionist mentality really came into play with that. And uh, just in case uh, if you're hearing me and it sounds a little bit louder than usual, I'm just holding the mic because I kind of feel like uh, it's one of those things I feel like doing at the moment. So that's what I'm going to do and you're going to have to deal with it. So uh, for this next little bit, deal with it. It's called it's called life. Um, It was one of those things where I was a perfectionist. Again, going back to the workhorse era, three shows a week and I was trying to make sure every single episode to the detail was perfect. And where I at, where I'm at now at 34 years old, now living in Colorado, you know, new place, new everything, new experiences and all that stuff. It kind of gave me that sense of worry, but it wasn't like I said, there wasn't kind of the worry that I had in Myrtle Beach. It was the kind of worry that is just like, am I going to be able to do what I know needs to be done? And doing that and being able to do that on a consistent basis I really had to look within myself and be able to recognize that in pursuit of perfection, you tend to overanalyze everything. You tend to overthink everything. You tend to, you know, the little, the, the smallest mistake, you know, becomes a, the, a, the biggest, you know, thing in the world with me. And I really had to tap into that and understand why I was like that. But it was, you know, going back to even further uh, when I was young and having to, you know, you know, strive for perfection to make my mama proud, to make my grandma proud, uh, to, you know, all that shit. 
And it was just a deep-rooted issue I had never addressed. <laughs> and it was one of those things where... I had to really dig deep into myself and really be able to figure out the root causes of said issue of, you know, the strive for perfection. And it was more so along the lines of just like, you know, making a mistake and understand understanding failure and learning from failure. Um, for me, it was more so if I failed, it meant, you know, it was done. This was not meant to be. Go do something else. You know what I mean? And that was something I really had to really look within myself to understand, you know, and, and understand why, you know, I had that mentality of, you know, trying to be a perfectionist. And it was stemming from, you know, trying to just appease, you know, my family, you know, trying to, you know, accomplish shit and really and be recognized for my efforts and accomplishments. It was hard. I mean, especially without, you know, Papa YLP, may he, re you know, God rest his soul, may he rest in peace. And him not being in, in the picture of my life and really struggling with that, um, as a young, as a teen, especially as a teenager, um, it was really, really hard to actually have the ability to a recognize that, b acknowledge it, and c begin you know the road to growing and learning and un and unlearning a lot of shit that I've held have dealt with in my life. Um, I'm not gonna get into everything because. Most of the conversation that Miss YLP and I have have had sticks between us. We don't bring. I'm not going to bring that on here. I'm just gonna, I'm giving you the basis of what was discussed, and I hope you guys do respect that. But it was more. But really tapping into those issues and having to begin the unraveling of things I had learned over time that. I now have to unlearn and it's, I mean, seeing the beginning of that and beginning the road to, you know, unlearning those things that I, you know, that ended up being a negative in the long run, if we're being brutally honest with ourselves and each other and having to unlearn a lot of shit. I I mean, mind you, I have to, I'm, I'm pretty much going to be unlearning about 20 years worth of shit for the rest of my life. And that's perfectly okay. And I had to live with that. I have to live with unlearning everything, not having to, you know, strive for perfection, even though there will be times I have that lapse. But understanding failure doesn't always mean it's over. Failure just means this is a lesson to be learned and that you can be, you're able to learn that lesson and make sure you do not repeat it over time. Y'all may not know, and y'all do not know, that I did not get my license, driver's license until I was the age of 29 years old. And to I'm, su I'm sure to every single one of you who are going to be listening to this, you're thinking, are you fucking kidding me? And the answer is fucking no. 
I got my I did not get my driver's license until the age of 29. Um fear of failure was the reason why I didn't want to and I'm not going to explain, I'm not going to go into details to why, you know, because that's my business to attend to, not yours. But doing that and having overcome that, I felt like, you know, having actually done that, I felt the happiest man alive. But what was really big for me was, I mean, I did get my license, but I didn't drive that much. And it kind of, in essence, hindered me a little bit. And I didn't care to even acknowledge the issue at hand. Um, and, you know, and yesterday, actually not yesterday, uh, Thursday, I mean, um, I actually drove to the gym by myself for the first time. Um, before, when I was living in New Jersey, where I was living at, uh, the the gym was literally not even like a five minute walk from where I lived. So it was just a simple walk or I would, you know, go to Planet Fitness by Uber. But Thursday was the legitimate first time I actually drove by myself to the gym. And for, to some of y'all, you know, that might be a regular thing for you. But for me, it was one of the biggest things in my life. And it was something that, you know, I mean, for for so many people, it's, you know, just a thing you do every day. It's a thing y'all do. And, but for me, it was more. My apologies, ladies and gentlemen. Mr. Wild P. Jr. was barking at the door again because he thought something was there. And I quote, I thought something was there. And yeah. Anywho, as I was saying, for some of y'all, you know, just driving to somewhere an errand or whatnot is is just a regular everything occurrence for you for me it was one of the biggest fucking things that happened in my goddamn life and so with doing that i was you know because i because we had practiced it i had practiced the route a couple times before with miss ylp you know helping me out and you know we went to a little workshop in the morning uh, went to Ikea, you know, all that. They ran a little errands and stuff. And then I went. I drove to the gym by myself. And like I said, for some of y'all, that's just a regular occurrence. But for me, it was the big, one of the biggest things that happened to me in my life. And being able to overcome that, I wouldn't say it's a fear, but I would say it's the, a, a huge obstacle. Really, really gave me that thought process of, you know, I can do that. You know, I can do this. And again, for some of you, you may be thinking, this motherfucker is out of his mind. You should have had that a long time ago. And I should have. You're right. And I'm not going to, you know, disparage that or discount that any fucking bit. Because if I do, I'm do I'm really doing myself a disservice to myself. So upon doing that, I called my mom. And we had a little bit of uh, a 15 minute conversation. I sat in the car with her after I got back from the gym and she was just as shocked as I was. <laughs> um, but yeah, we, yeah, she was very happy for me. She was very proud of me for, you know, overcoming that and being able to just do that, you know, 
gave me something, gave me, gave me a little bit of pride, gave me a little bit of hair, extra hair on my chest that I already have. And, you know, understanding growth and understanding that we all at some, we all have our, you know, vulnerabilities and weaknesses and all that shit. And so, and some of those vulnerabilities and weaknesses hinder us from doing things we never thought we could do or things we wanted to do, but stopped ourselves from doing because of said weaknesses and vulnerabilities and letting ourselves get outside our own heads and all that stuff, which is, which was my main big thing. I always stop myself and stood of the way of my own progression and improvement and betterment of myself. Yes, betterment is a word and you can probably use it in Scrabble if you know how to do it right. But being able to do the one thing that most people just already know how to do and are doing as we speak right now and as I speak right now on a daily basis. And for me to be able to overcome that and be able to, excuse me, and be able to overcome it and be able to overcome whether it be fear, whether it be just getting inside my own head, whatever the fuck it may be, I'm starting to, the beginning of the, the repairing myself, unlearning shit unlearning things that unlearning things that turned out to be a negative for me over time and really beginning to understand and know myself. Again, I've been doing this shit for a hot second, four years in the game. And as y'all know, there have been many episodes of this podcast where I've come on here and I've been vulnerable with y'all and I've been transparent with y'all and as authentic as humanly fucking possible. Of course, talking about my father passing away, um, which will be actually this October will be two years. Um, my mental breakdown of, you know, during the pandemic back in 2020 in, in the spring of 2020. And. I feel like this is probably one of the more bigger ones that I've discussed as of late. And what I want y'all to take away from this is this. We, again, like I said, we all have our vulnerabilities and weaknesses, but we always have that voice in our head that is trying to stop us from doing what we need to do. And knowing that doing something for ourselves as whether it be as big or as small as it may be, if you're doing things to help you progress, improve, better yourself, become a better person, becoming a better, whatever the fuck you're trying to do in your pursuit, do not because Benjamin Franklin taught us that there is, there isn't a perfect person in this world. We all have our faults, but understanding that we cannot let our faults take over ourselves. You can't let your weaknesses take you over. Play to your strengths. You know, a lot of people will be thinking, focus on your weaknesses. You know, it'll help you become stronger. No, focus on your strengths. Focus on what you know you are good at. Focus on, focus on that and you'll become better as a person. Sometimes we do have to overcome some shit. 
But the only way you can overcome obstacles, especially mentally, is to address them head on. You have to address the issue. For me, it was because of other things that happened when I was a child. When I was young. And having to deal with all that. There's a lot of things I will never discuss on this podcast. I pray I never tell those stories. But yes, we have all gone through some shit in our lives. And sometimes that hinders us from becoming better people. Because of the voices in our head. What I'm going to say, what I'll say to you is this. When you're able to identify what it exactly is that is stopping you from progressing, improving, better and bettering yourself in life. Once you address those issues head on and acknowledge them and let them be known into the juju. Then you can begin starting the process of healing and being able to better understand yourself and understand your weaknesses and understand your vulnerabilities. And then this is the most important thing, taking those facing them and then heading towards, you know, repairing that. I got to earn, unlearn a lot of shit for the rest of my days. And I'm perfectly fine with that assignment. But what I'm not going to do from here on out is to try to, you know, strive for the pursuit of perfection. But I want to strive for the, for the pursuit of excellence. I prefer that because striving for perfection will fucking wreck your mind. Especially if it stems from things when you were young. I got to deal with that. I'm perfectly fine with that. I'm built for that. I've dealt with worse shit in my life, I promise you. Much worse. Than overcoming my own mental obstacles. And myself. I am proud of the steps I am now taking. King Ricky, if you're hearing this, I hope you're proud of the steps I'm taking and understanding that and recognizing it. Um, Because for those of you who may not know, when I had that uh, little... Little mental breakdown back in the spring of 2020. King Ricky was the one I discussed, I talked to. King Ricky was the one who was able to break it all down to brass tacks and simplicities, and help me understand why I was in that position. I was in that state. So I'll end it with this. We all have shit we have dealt with in our past. Some of us have dealt with it. Some of us haven't. I had to deal with mine. And I think first and foremost, Miss YLP for having the conversation with me that we had this week. I'd like to thank her for helping me understand and really dig deep into where and why I had these issues and for helping me begin that journey to unlearning a lot of shit that I need to unlearn. And this is, and this is more, most important for, for, for the fellas. Cause usually, I mean, I mean, I speak to everyone, but sometimes I'm, I gotta speak to the fellas on this. 
Do not let yourself mentally. Do not allow, allow yourself mentally to be defeated. Especially if you're the one defeating yourself. You got to tap into why you are not allowing yourself to progress. If that means, you know, speaking with a therapist, if that means speaking with a very good friend of yours that knows you inside and out, you know, you need to let that be known and you need to let that be recognized and acknowledged. Because if you aren't able to progress and improve and better yourself, you're doing yourself a disservice. You really are, fellas. If you're going through some shit, don't be afraid to talk about it and let it be known. Talk to a friend. Talk to your parent. Well, maybe. Depending on how your relationship is with them. Um, talk to a therapist if you need to. Let this shit be known and address the issues at hand with yourself. I did. I addressed it. And now because of that, I'm able to begin that process of, of just... You know, understanding my faults and turning them and turning faults into strength. But remaining to, you know, in understanding that I needed to continue to focus on my strengths. And to not pursue perfection, but pursue excellence. That is the thing. If we do not allow ourselves to become the best versions of ourselves, we're doing ourselves a disservice. If you were going through some shit, don't keep it inside. Don't hold that in and let that fester inside of you. Because that will only become even more of a hindrance to yourself and others around you. You know, I'm thankful that I have people I can talk to, Miss YLP included especially, and be able to address things that I may not have been able to address. Or maybe just ignore altogether. But when you have when when you do address those issues and you're able to address those issues, and you understand why those occurred, and now you understand it, and now you can begin the process of not doing that shit. You know. That's when you begin, become a better version of yourself. That's when you become a better you. I'm thankful that, you know, I'm able to actually be in a position to not only discuss this, you know, outside off air, but we have the heart and balls to discuss it on air because again as I've done for the past four years I've been transparent and as authentic as I possibly can with every single one of you and hopefully listening to this has helped you in a way you know kind of understand that we ain't all perfect we all have our faults we all are all going through some shit at some point but if we aren't addressing those issues, if we aren't letting them, letting, putting those cards on the table and letting it be known and not addressing them at all, that pretty much, you know, gives ourselves, you know, that chance. And now I understand where I stand as a whole, as a person. 
and beginning to start that process of just growing and becoming better and improving and not, you know, and understanding failure is just lessons that we do need to learn and overcome. And it's not the worst thing in the world if you fail. So what if you take an L? I've taken plenty and I'm still here. You've taken your L's. You still here though. Some of us took L's. Some of us in life took L's and didn't come back from them. That's a harsh reality we all need to fucking deal with. Be thankful you are here in this life. Be thankful that you have this life. And be thankful that you have the ability to change it. But you have to understand your your vulnerabilities and why you are not allowing yourself to become the best version of yourself. Address them. Let them be known. And I'm being serious. Let them be known. Don't let them keep, don't keep it inside you. It'll only make things worse for yourself. I promise you that. I promise you that. At the end of the day, it comes down to you. Don't let yourself stop yourself from becoming the exact best you can be in this world. I don't do this podcast just to talk wrestling. I do this podcast because I like you. I love y'all. I love every single one of y'all. Except the guy in the back with the weird hat. I don't know about him. He seems sus. That's another story for another day, though. But because I, I actually give a shit about every one of y'all who listen to this, epi- listen to these episodes. I really do. And if, you know, my message helps out at least one person, I've done my fucking job. If I've changed your perspective, pun intended, on anything I've done over the last four years, then I've done my fucking job. And that's the biggest thing I've done with this is to remain transparent and authentic throughout every single episode. So, so, you know, when it comes down to it, do not be afraid to unlearn shit. Acknowledge your issues with yourself. Let it be known. Talk with someone you really trust and knows you as a person. Don't just talk to any random motherfucker like Forrest Gump. Feel me? Talk to someone you know you can trust. Not your, not your, not your family. Not family. That, that will be the one thing. People that know you. That understand you as a person. If you must, if therapy, you know, if a therapist is is the right person, then you know, I I suggest that wholeheartedly. That that goes for fellas too, because we tend to hold things inside. Sometimes you gotta let those things be out. Trust me when I tell you, I've done had many conversations with people over time, and I felt a lot better because of it. We gotta let this shit be known, because. Yes, and I, and I actually have it written on my board. I actually have it written on my whiteboard. And this is a quote I want you to take with you. All right. So write this down if you need to record this part of the episode if you must. But listen to this quote that I wrote. You don't need to walk around carrying the weight of the world on your shoulders. All you need to do is manage the weight of your world on your shoulders.
Okay? Again, I'm going to say that one more time because I think it bears repeating. You don't need to walk around carrying the weight of the world on your shoulders. All you need to do is manage the weight of your world on your shoulders. I think if you do that, I think we can become better people. Better, more productive, kick-ass people. Better, more productive understanding of ourselves. Excuse me. So, I am really thankful that I have someone in my life that I'm able to discuss things with, discuss my feelings on, with things about, discuss how I'm feeling. And it, it is not, you know, it, it, in this case, like it, it's like, especially with Miss YLP, you know, somebody would be thinking, oh, you know, you, you, know, you shouldn't be able to be, you know, don't even be vulnerable. <coughs> Again, for those of y'all that missed the part about myself and Miss YLP having a long distance relationship for over a, for a year before we were able to be around each other physically, um, we were able to talk. Mind you, we were dating during a pandemic, okay? During the like the beginnings of the pandemic, feel me? And I wouldn't change what I have with Miss YLP for anything because she is a damn good person. I've, I've told her many a times she's a great asset in my life and she'll be a great asset in the Great War, which I hope every single one of you are a part of and, and a part of the YLP, at least the YLP Army side of the War Army. But I'm able to have that. And we just discuss shit. We just let it all out on the table, regardless of how harsh it may be. I can handle it. And she gives it to me straight. And that's all I ask. And with that, I have now under started to understand myself more. So talk with a person you can trust. Fellas, this is definitely for y'all. Um, do not let, you know, that fear of not being able to talk to someone because you fear they may use that on you somewhere down the line. Seriously. This is this is this is serious, you know. And that, that was that was a fear I had about that. You know, having that used against me. My vulnerabilities used against me. But I've learned that you have to be really in tune with your, 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 your person that you with to be able to do that. And I'm able to do that. And to Miss YLP, I thank you for that. For helping me understand who I am as a person and helping me to tap into and talk about things I normally wouldn't discuss. So for that, Miss YLP, I thank you and I love you. And for y'all, do not allow yourself to beat yourself. You are more than what you are. You can be more. You can improve, progress, better yourself. You just have to not allow yourself to beat yourself. Pause. I want, I want all of y'all to be the best versions of yourself in this world. That's all I want from y'all. And if this segment of the podcast helps you do that, 
then I've done my fucking job. Absolutely, 100%, wholeheartedly, I've done my job. So that's going to conclude this opening segment of episode 345 of the YLP Podcast. This is going to be a long episode. I hope y'all going to have to deal with it. Get your popcorn and your drinks ready. Like I said, it's going to be a long episode. When we come back, we're going to get into exactly what we want to get into. As long-lated as this segment was, as per usual, we're going to be talking about SummerSlam and what went down last Saturday night. It's going to be fun. We're going to turn it into a positive. We're going to spin this around. We're going to have a lot of fun with this on the other side of episode 345 of the YLP Podcast. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back with episode 345 of the YLP Podcast. We're in the big card portion of the program right now. And I hope you guys did enjoy that um, little segment I did in the last segment there. I didn't want to go a little bit bit too long for my taste, but um, I just wanted to, you know, again, as I normally do with these types of things, want to be as transparent and just give you all a little bit of where I was at as humanly possible. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Um, if you guys have any uh, comments or anything like that, if you guys have any like situations that you're dealing with like that, hit me up with a voice message at anchor.fm slash perspective, or you can hit me up with an email over at perspective at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you guys and see what you guys are dealing with. You know, if there's anything you're dealing with at all, you know, I'm here for you. You know, I want to create a dialogue with you guys and, you know, Just being able to discuss that, even if it's with me or just like letting it out there, even if it's just writing it down, anything, you know, and letting it be known to yourself is very key in being able to improve yourself. And um, that's how I feel. And uh, hopefully you took away something from that segment um, there. But we're going to get into a more jovial mood here on the YLP podcast. Again, this is episode 345 of the YLP podcast. Yeah, and we got a lot to talk about, but uh, yeah, before I get into my SummerSlam review, y'all know I gotta do it, I gotta do it, I have to do it, I have no choice because it's all, it's WrestleLetic Radio, The Cure, for the Common Wrestling Podcast, but yeah, let me do shameless plugs, of course, make sure you are checking out all, not just me, but the remainder of, you know, the rest of the family that is WrestleLetic Radio Tuesdays, Brace for Impact, with my boy Nate, as he talks about Impact Wrestling over on his podcast again, which is titled Brace for Impact. So make sure you're checking that out if you are a fan of the Impact Wrestling. Um, every Wednesday, of course, you can check out the Kings of the Rings podcast over on YouTube, YouTube's, the Twitterverse, and of course on Twitch. And a uh, big shout out to um, King Ricky Rose and uh, Will Terrace for holding it down this week. Uh, we know K. Uh, was not on the show this past Wednesday. Um, so it's it's uh I like when when all when all three of them are there. But understanding, you know, we have lives and all that good stuff. But they held it down. I did crack on uh, Ricky a little bit, uh, saying uh, King Ricky's doppelganger uh, was hosting the show this week. I had to get a little rib in on him for that one. So, uh, well, I'm not gonna explain why, but you know, 
If you did watch this, uh, this week's episode, you understand completely why I, I ripped his ass for that. Because, uh, you know, it's all it's all love here. But, um, yeah, they, put up, they had a damn good show. They talked about SummerSlam, which we'll be doing in just a little bit. Uh, and just so you guys know, if you do not catch the video version, well, it, the replay is on YouTube. And you can check out the audio version as well the following day on Thursday. Now, when we get to Friday, kick off your weekend in proper fashion, even if, even if you're doing it the YLP way, with a brand spanking new episode of the Fretzelmania podcast, talking about the Ruthless Aggression era in WWE. Uh, make sure y'all check that out. I believe the episode has dropped today. So if you are, uh, well, yesterday technically, because it is Saturday last time I checked. So yes, that episode dropped yesterday. Check that out and uh, let them know Mr. YLP sent you over there. Just make sure you're checking out. You know, we got the, we got the you know, almost a full week's worth of, of top-notch quality programming with, you know, Sunday and Monday, of course. And, yeah, so make sure you check us out every Tuesday through Saturday on WrestleAddict Radio, The Cure for the Common Wrestling Podcast. Also, make sure you go over, check out my YLP store, the revamped YLP store. Get yourself some YLP merch over at young-lions-perspectives.creator.com. Spring.com. Get all the YLP merch. It, it is summertime here in the YLP realm. Uh, I got all the things you need. I ain't even got swim swimming shorts. I ain't even got swim trunks for y'all. Um, if y'all are into that sort of thing, I got you know sports new sports bras for the ladies, new drinkware, new items on there. So head over to young lines-respective.creator-spring.com to get yourself some YLP merch. And when you do, uh, make sure you tag me on my Twitter. Or on Instagram, which I'll be giving you guys later uh, at the end of today's show, and show that love, and I will be—I uh, will actually post it on my uh, Instagram and Twitter and all that stuff—and uh, give you your 15 minutes of pure excellence, magnificence, and fame, because that's how we get down here in the YLP room. So make sure you check out the YLP store right now. Get yourself some of that YLP merch today. Now that we're done with all the famous plugs, now uh, let us talk about what went down this past Saturday at SummerSlam. Um, dare I say this is probably, and this is probably the, you know, this is, a, it, it, this is probably the best SummerSlam I've seen since I've become a podcaster, solo podcaster, period, in four years. This is probably the best SummerSlam I have ever witnessed and watched in my solo podcasting career. And it was because of one man, and that one man being Paul Levesque, a.k.a. Triple H. We've all speculated at some point that if Triple H got the keys to the kingdom, WWE would begin to be in a better place. Saturday, last Saturday, we were proven right. Last Saturday, we were treated to what I call the last pay-per-view of the VKM era. And I should have acknowledged it as this is the first pay-per-view of the Triple H era in terms of creative in WWE. This was, I mean, not everything was solid. Not everything was good. You know, there were moments, you know, but what we saw with those, most of it made sense. Most of it made sense. Case in point, let us begin with the uh, most obvious and uh, biggest headline of the show. Uh, Bailey finally returning to the WWE. After what was pretty much a year away from injury, Bailey, the role model herself, 
finally comes back into the fold and makes her appearance after Bianca Belair defeated Becky Lynch to be to retain the Raw Women's Championship in what was a barn burner of a match. And I guess I have to say, kudos to WWE for actually completing the full circle long-term booking in a sense. Y'all can have that one because it concluded the best way it did. Um, and they put on a spectacular opening matchup to kick off SummerSlam, which was the right call on WWE's part. And I was proud. I was very happy with the match, very happy with the conclusion, and very happy about where the women's division is going um, after what we saw on Saturday night. Because again, Bailey came back, and that that to me personally is more than enough of a headline to just have that. Like Bailey's back, we're good. The women's division is starting to come back together. Not, but the thing was, Bailey comes back, and she brought back up. She went. She popped the trunk on the car, in the form of now known as EO Sky, because apparently we can't say EO fucking Shirai anymore. Whatever, it's a good name. I'll take it. It's a solid name. It works. Um, but if you're drunk enough, you're gonna say. If you're drunk enough, you're trying to say EO Sky. You're gonna say EO Shirai. I promise you. You will say it. That's neither here nor there. EO Sky gets called up to the main roster. Someone who I've been wanting to see on the main roster for. A long, long time is now finally a part of the main roster. Not only did Bailey pop the trunk and bring out EO Sky, Dakota Kai made her return to the WWE after being released in uh, April, I think of last year or something of that nature. It may have been this way. I don't know. Mine slips me. We don't care. We ain't talking about that. Um, Dakota Kai returns to WWE, and the three of them are now a stable. In WWE. Yes. All that. Yes. The women's division on either show really hasn't had a proper heel stable in quite some time. Uh, the, the last, you know, heel anything that was really solid was the Golden Role Models. Was Bailey and Sasha Banks. And they ran that shit for about a year. And it was probably one of the best things WWE had. On their programming. And now to see that Bailey has returned and has brought up Io Shirai from NXT and brought back Dakota Kai. This this was one this was and here's the thing. Here's the here's the crazy part. If you guys didn't hear about this story, I was listening to Solid Monster earlier this week, and he told the story of this idea for this stable was actually pitched months ago to Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon turned it down. Vince McMahon did not like the idea of, bring, of putting together Bailey, Dakota Kai, and Neo Sky. He didn't like it at all. Triple H apparently wanted this idea and wanted to bring that into the forefront. He liked the idea. He said, let's do it. Bringing it into the forefront and um, bringing in a breath of fresh air in a top heel stable on Monday Night Raw. And dare I say, if you look at Raw's women's division right now, excuse me, right? If you look at Raw's women's division right now, I'd have to say, this looks pretty damn good. This Raw, this raw roster, women's side-wise, looks pretty damn good. 
You feel me? Like this, this roster looks fantastic. So you're looking at Alexa Bliss, Asuka, Becky Lynch, who just turned, who is now once again a babyface. And uh, from what we I have read and heard, um, if Vince McMahon were still running things, Lynch would still be a heel and not turn. Okay. So we got uh, Alexa Bliss, Asuka, Becky Lynch, um, Carmella, Dana Brooke, Piper Niven. We don't call her dude drop here. Uh, let me see. Oh, they, they, ooh, yikers. Okay, hold that thought. Let me... Uh, because this is definitely not the raw women's roster. For, this is why I hate sometimes. I hate sometimes when they pull this shit. Okay, here we go. SmackdownHotel.com usually has got my back on this. But uh, I, but this roster just looks fun poster. Do, do, put it on raw. Gotta eat damp on the hater. Alright, Alexa Bliss, Asuka, Bailey, Becky Lynch, Bianca Belair, Carmella, Dakota Kai, Dana Brooke, Piper Niven, Eo Sky, Nikki A.S.H., Queen Zelina, Rhea Ripley, Sonya Deville, and Tamita. This division can be booked wonderfully. Wonderfully. I mean, just those first five names alone. Bliss, Asuka, Bailey, Lynch, Belair. You could build an entire division around that and we're good. But now you add in Dakota Kai and Io Sky, who I think personally were two of the best uh, NXT had to offer at the time. They were in, they were there. Um, I expect this women's division on Raw to be fantastic. Now that we have not only Triple H at the helm, but also having Bailey back with a heel stable. It's fantastic. It is wonderful, and it's something that is refreshing. And it is something that I am very happy with, and I am very happy with the fact that Triple H really stuck to his guns and really is bringing bringing a true new era to WWE. And if... That and if doing something like a Bailey returning, bringing Mega Dakota Kai, bringing up EO Sky, finally, I think the possibility of the women's division on Raw, at least on Raw, is is looking very bright. Look, the talent that they have in that division now is going to be something of and, uh, of wonderfulness. That's not a word. I know that we're gonna do. We're gonna leave it alone, and we're gonna keep going. This division is the A division in main on main roster WWE right now. Okay, let's let's acknowledge that. This is the division on the main roster right now. What I do hope for one day is that we just have an entire women's division going across Raw and SmackDown. Because you you can do even more with that. You can do a lot more with it. Yeah, you can do a lot more with it. And um, now, Becky Lynch is a babyface, properly. She's a better, she's a good baby. Now she's a baby face with Triple H at the helm. She is now basically, and unfortunately, um, Becky Lynch suffered a separated shoulder uh, during her match with Bianca Belair last Saturday. Um, they wrote her off television, uh, having uh, ba- Bailey, um, EO, and Dakota attack her uh, during Monday Night Raw. 
So she's going to be out for some time. Um, WWE's saying it could be months. Um, I did, you know, check the recovery time. It usually takes two to 12 weeks for a separated shoulder to repair. But depending on the severity of the injury, it could be actually months. So um, if that is the case, uh, we hear um, the YLP podcast. And on behalf of WrestleMania Radio, do wish Becky Lynch the uh, speediest of recoveries. Um, honestly, you know, when she comes back, she is going to be coming back to one hell of a babyface pop. And, um, you know, and just, you know, seeing that, you know, miscast characters are actually now being properly cast. That's a win for a lot of people. That's a win for a lot of people, myself included, Um, because as we move on from talking about uh, the women's division, um, one big thing I actually wanted to put out there is that the main event, I want to get quickly to the main event because, wow, holy, holy shit, this was probably the and this is this is me. And for me saying this, it actually means actually is a lot. So I'm a whole, I'm gonna grab this mic. This, this mine. This was probably hands down the best SummerSlam main event I may have seen in probably the past five years. Seriously, this is probably the best SummerSlam main event we have had in the last five years, hands down, without question. If this was the true conclusion of Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar, then this was the way you wanted it to go out. 23 minutes exactly of pure carnage. Nonsense, buffoonery, and a big fucking ass tractor. With Brock Lesnar jumping off the top of that sound bitch right on the Roman Reigns. I was watching the event live. I watched it with Miss YLP live. Miss YLP was uh, doing her her thing while I was watching the show. And I said to her, she saw the tractor. And she was just like, he's got a tractor? I'm like, yeah, he got a tractor. And then he brought it to the ring. And then he introduced himself with the ring. And then we got the viral video of him throwing the microphone at Roman Reigns and him catching and doing a little winky winky, uh, which I thought was absolutely hilarious. And I'm surprised I didn't catch that. But never ever in my life would I ever see a tractor come into play during a last man standing match. Y'all have seen it. We've all seen it. We've all seen it. I ain't got to explain it. If you didn't watch SummerSlam yet, A, you took a whole week to not watch SummerSlam, that's a you problem. Um, But I ain't got to explain what happened because I'm sure we've all seen what happened. And I feel very sorry for everybody in that section of the ring that had that ring blocked by the tractor. But that was something that norm- that normally you wouldn't see during a- under Vince McMahon. You wouldn't see that creatively. You would not see that at all. Not even close. Not even fucking close. You would have never seen that spot happen. Now, granted, Roman Reigns did retain the Universal Cha- Undisputed WWE Universal Championship, as I called it. But this was actually probably the best match I have ever seen between Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar. As far as I know, they've faced each other, what, seven, eight, nine times or some shit? 
The closest one was WrestleMania 31. Of course, we all know Heist of the Century, um, but with Seth Rollins, but that match was actually the better, the probably the best match of the whole entire catalog of Reigns versus Lesnar until last Saturday. This was flat out their best match. And if if supposedly this is, quote unquote, their last match, they went out the proper way. They went out exactly the way you needed to. Exactly the way you needed to. This match was spectacular. This match was worthy of being described as a SummerSlam main event. Wholeheartedly. Every last bit of this match was gruesome, brutal, fantastic. Paul Hammond got F5. Uh, talking about, you know, here, please don't hurt my hurt tribal chief. You want the titles? Take them. Take them. Just take them. Austin Theory comes out trying to cash in. He gets murdered by fucking Brock Lesnar in F5. So that, technically, it still is not a cash in. But this match was just quintessential Triple H booking. Hands down. This is Triple H. Triple H has his imprints all over this pay-per-view. It was it, it, it was very refreshing to watch. Even watching the Liv Morgan Ronda Rousey match, um, I wasn't mad at it because it actually progressed the story between Morgan and Rousey. Rousey had Morgan dead to rights with the arm bar. She taps out at two and a half before the referee counts three. But get but the referee gives Morgan the win because he did not see Liv Morgan tapping to the arm bar. Morgan gets away with one. Rousey gets pissed. Pretty much goes back to uh, arm barring Morgan. Then arm bars the referee. So she is suspended. Um, which plays into the progression of the storyline. I had Liv Morgan winning and retaining the championship. But I actually thought this was going to be a blow off. Now, Ronda Rousey's exactly who she is. Who she needs to be. A heel. How crazy is that? That they that Vince McMahon had the opposite for Becky Lynch and for Ronda Rousey. Ronda Rousey is not a babyface. She's a heel. Becky Lynch could play the heel, but Becky Lynch is a better babyface than she's a heel. And if anything, the way she explained it was that she was doing everything she could to just get back the women's championship. That it went to that it took her to a place that she didn't need to go. Feel me? So now, so we are, so Triple H is addressing that and understanding that they were miscast and now casting them properly. Becky Lynch is now a babyface and Ronda Rousey is what she always should have been, which was a heel. And hopefully we still get Ronda Rousey versus Becky Lynch at SummerSlam, uh, not SummerSlam, WrestleMania 39, Lynch being the babyface, Rousey being the heel, them being cast properly, and hopefully we get a solid match between those two. That is my hope. But that was the main thing. We're progressing storylines within a pay-per-view. Logan Paul defeating The Miz was a fantastic match. I thought this was great. I thought Paul Logan Paul, and I'm going to say this out loud, Logan Paul is now the, at least to me now, had the best celebrity performance in WWE history. Bad Bunny had that title until Logan Paul took it. It seemed like Logan Paul was always meant to be in WWE, even though he's a flat-out YouTuber. And him and his brother can kick your ass in boxing. Um... But that's a big that is a big deal. That is a really big deal for me. Logan Paul did very well for himself. Logan Paul had a hell of a match with the Miz, and and again, you're working with one of the safest guys 
in the company. Miz gonna give you a good Miz gonna give you a good performance out of him. He did well for himself. I'm very happy about that. What I'm not happy about is a no disqualification tag team match that requires you to tag in in order to do things. That's neither here nor there. But um, everything that happened, um, minus the and honestly, I'm just I'm just going around a little bit because I'm kind of I'm trying to wrap this up a little bit considering the last segment went a little longer than I wanted to. Um, Pat McAfee did what he needed to do to beat Corbin. Corbin didn't need that shit anyway. Um, hooray. Go, go, uh, Pat McAfee for the brand. Um, excuse me. Bobby Lashley defeating Theory by submission made the most sense because I guess now Theory doesn't need the championship. Um, Lashley now, um, you know, is champion and now he's got a new contender in Champa, uh, this coming Monday for the, uh, United States Championship. And I'll be talking about that later. I'll kind of give you my thought on that, uh, later on in today's show. Um, as far as the, the one big, uh, one last big thing I want to talk about with the Usos and the Street Profits, um, this wasn't the sequel to the banger that we saw between these two at Money in the Bank. It wasn't the, the, it wasn't their best match, but it was a good enough match to get the job done. Usos retain, of course, uh, Jarrett surprisingly very much down the middle throughout the entire matchup, which was a very refreshing surprise. I was hoping for a guitar shot. That's just me, though, uh, knowing Jeff Jarrett that the way we do back in the TNA NWA days. Um, and if y'all don't know about Jeff Jarrett in the NWA TNA days, God, was he a prick. But in the best way possible because he was that proper heel. But um, this, like I said, wasn't... It was, it was more so the sequel that kind of flopped to the original movie. Um, but it wasn't there. It wasn't a bad match. It just wasn't, you know, the, the match we were expecting that we saw from Money in the Bank four weeks prior. So, and, and that's understandable, you know. And, of course, now the Street Profits are out of tag team contention. And um, okay, I'll talk about more about, you know, Monday Night Raw. Because I actually did watch Monday Night Raw um, this past week as well. I'll talk about that Um into in the, uh, the next maybe in the next segment or two, um, so this was one of those things where, as in 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 full conclusion with this uh, with SummerSlam, because I'm just you know taking little bits and pieces and not fully going into everything, but in in, in, in English hard in conclusion um, with this pay per view, this was. From here on out, we should recognize this as the first full pay-per-view of the Triple H era. July 30th began the true Triple H era. What a pay-per-view to have for this. A big four pay-per-view to start your creative in WWE. Triple H did exactly what he needed to do. You know, it, it didn't, it didn't, you know, you knew immediately from the second Bailey came out. After that, pretty much it kind of dragged a little bit. So that will take away from the final grade. Just so you guys know, drag shit, you know, dragging out shows a little bit definitely does hurt your grade. I promise you. And um, overall, though, overall, if we're being brutally honest with ourselves and each other, this was a wonderful start for Triple H. And WWE as we go into this new era, whatever we're going to fucking call it. 
uh, you know, the game era, the Triple H era, then Vince McMahon ain't fucking here no more era, whatever the fuck you want to call it. I don't care. You know, figure it out. Name it for yourself if you like. The way I see it, this new era we're going into, I think is going to do a lot for a ton of talent in WWE. Except Massey and Mensoir, because what? And well, actually, no. Uh, like I said, I'll discuss all of that uh, in, this, in, uh, in the news in the news portion of uh, this week's episode. So bear with me on that. But um, at the end of the day, with SummerSlam, SummerSlam did itself did itself a proper service to not only the fans in home, but to the people in Nashville. Same can't be said about Houston this past Monday, but we'll address that later on in this episode. I promise you that. Um, as far as it goes, though, WWE is now in a better place. Um, WWE is in a position to really do themselves and their fans a proper service. I still remember that promise that we were given four years ago, almost four years ago, December 18th. We're going to give you what you want. I've been I've been waiting for that promise to be kept. And I think now that we have Triple H at the helm of creative and Gorilla. I personally believe that we are in much better hands. We are in a much better position to see the growth of WWE the way it was truly meant to be. And I cannot wait to see now in a full, what Triple H, uh, an actual Triple H build to Clash at the Castle is going to be like. Because now we have four, now we have five weeks. We have five full weeks of build. Starting this past Monday. And from the consensus of what I've seen on Twitter and on Instagram and all that stuff. Um, the consensus that uh, hopes are high. For WWE going forward. And I have very high hopes for them as well. And I think SummerSlam proved to be that spark that is needed right now in WWE. And I think the future is very bright for a lot of the talent in WWE, especially for, but the most important thing is that we as fans, we as podcasters in this community, the IWC, I have high hopes now for WWE going forward because I've always wanted the best for the company. But things needed to change. SummerSlam this past, last Saturday was the beginning and the start of true change in the company. Now, there's more that needs to be done. But SummerSlam was a very, very solid start to getting back to prominence in the world of professional wrestling. And that's all I'm going to have to say about that. So let's go to the awards section of this review. This will be quite quick. Best match of the night, hands down, Raymond Reigns versus Brock Lesnar. They are the winners of best match. This was match of the night, easily. Um, Had it not gone down the way it did, Belair uh, and Lynch may have taken that title. But Reigns, Lesnar, Jesus. Hands down, match of the night. You can't tell me you're going to bring a tractor and not use it. That, that's, that, that's just the best thing about it. That was, this was the, hands down the best match of the night. Lesnar and Reigns looked the best they'd ever been. This was the best SummerSlam main event in the past five years. And I will say that with confidence. Anyone who says otherwise can kiss my ass. I don't care. That was match of the night. In terms of worst match of the night. Um, because I I was torn between two, but I'm actually going to give it to Bobby Lashley and uh, Austin Theory here. 
Um, it was a foregone conclusion, if we're being brutally honest. Uh, it did what it needed to do, but it, honestly, this was just like a eh. With Liv Morgan and Ronda Rousey, because they because uh, it was only a 10-second difference in times uh, during the matchup and stuff. But with Morgan and Rousey, it gave us progression and actually gave us a heel turn in Ronda Rousey. The baddest woman on the planet should act like a badass. She is now that. Fantastic. So for that, Lashley and Theory get worst match of the night honors. And I'm sure neither of them actually give a shit. Uh, because Lashley is still uh, United States champion and Austin Theory still holds money in the bank briefcase. Doesn't matter. So with that. So um, the MVP of SummerSlam. I haven't done an MVP in a while. Uh, if we're being brutally honest. But who am I going to give the MVP to is the actual question. I'm giving it to Triple H. It, it should be an obvious answer. Um should be not. It should be obvious to fucking everybody. Uh, Triple H deserves the... Triple H is the MVP of SummerSlam. He is your MVP. Let's give the man his fucking flowers. Okay? And I'm sure Triple H would be happy with this award. Uh, hopefully... Well, but uh, As it goes, I will accept the award on his behalf and uh, say, Triple H, you did that. You did that, and I can't wait to see... What your build to cap clash at the castle is going to be like now that you have Roman Reigns and Drew McIntyre as your easily will be your main event uh, at Clash in Cardiff, Wales in uh, four weeks' time. I'm quite excited to see what you will be doing over the next four weeks to get us hype for this uh, premier live event in the UK for the first time in 30 years. I think now, excuse me, Clash of the Castle is more anticipated than ever because Triple H is at the helm. And an eight Vince running the show. So this might be actually a little bit better for all parties involved going forward. And Triple H should be given his flowers and thanked for what he did. So Triple H, congratulations. You are the 2022 SummerSlam MVP. As far as my final grade goes, um, I was listening to the uh, Kings of the Rings podcast this past Wednesday. And if y'all ain't checking that out, you're a dumbass. Um, and I say that wholeheartedly. I don't mean that to be a smart ass. I really do. Y'all Y'all need to listen to that show because it is quite fun. And um, yeah, they are now also members of the 300 Club, which I'm very, very happy for. For those uh, for those folks. For that lovely trio of uh, Kay Murphy, King Ricky Rose, and uh, Will Terra Shook. Um, as far as this, I mean, they gave it high marks. They gave it high praise. I believe uh, Ricky gave it a nine. Um We'll give it an 8.5. I may have had it switched. I'm not sure. But um, I will give this show high praise because it deserves it. And it's been a while since I've given a very, very high grade on this podcast. Now, take into account, uh, there were a couple things, you know, that did, you know, the show did drag a bit. So it does bring it down a little bit. Um, some of the matches were, I, you know, but did what needed to do. In the grand scheme of things. Uh, but a lot of good things happen with this show. You know. Logan Paul's performance. The opening matchup. Uh, Bailey's return. Bringing in a stable. Bringing up EO. Bringing back Dakota. Um, Becky turning face. Rousey turning heel. Um, Logan, like I said. Logan Paul having, a, having the performance of his life. That main event. Honestly. 100%. I'm going to give this show a flat out A-. 
I am. It's the highest mark I've given a WWE show in quite some time that at least I know of. Um, it maybe for some of y'all, this may be B plus territory. Um, but I mean, I'm with the consensus of around of it and at 8.5, 8.5. This is a solid A minus show. Um, again, some of it dragged a bit. We're going to, we're going to take that into consideration, but as far as the way I see it, this show was quintessentially WWE's best show of the year. This whoops WrestleMania's ass. This shoves it into the fucking water. This makes Royal Rumble look like fucking child's play. Um, Everything that's every pay per view that's led up to this, and, and don't get me wrong, Hell in a Cell wasn't that bad of a show. Um, Money in the Bank was a banging show, but I think with where we're at in terms of what the future holds for WWE, this was the fire starter to the bonfire that is going to be created under the guise of Triple H. A minus, one hundred percent, and I I stick to that. I stick to my role on that. This is a this was the best show WWE has put on all year. And it had and, and, and funny enough, it took a scandal from a scandal on Vince McMahon, him retiring from the company to actually get where we need to start going. But if this is the quality of pay-per-view we're going to be getting going forward, Especially given his track record of takeovers before Triple uh, before uh, Vince took that over, I hope for one thing and one thing only. I do. I hope for one thing and one thing only to this to this point. And I'm gonna I'll expand on it a little bit more uh, when we get to uh, the news. Change your pay per view schedule. 2023 change your pay-per-view schedule. This is this is the perfect time for WWE to start changing a lot of the shit up. And I'll explain why uh in the last uh news segment of this week's episode of the podcast. So if that if they do that one thing, I think they're going to have a lot more success with this whole new format and everything. But as far as it goes, I'm giving this show a A minus best show WWE has put on all year in terms of pay-per-views. And I hope this actually keeps going consistently moving forward into the remainder of 2022. So that, ladies and gentlemen, is my Summer Slam review. Hope you guys liked it. Um, when we come back, we finally get into the news of the week. And I got plenty of news to kick off that part of the show, including, of course, the news and the rumor of Sasha Banks and Naomi reaching a deal to return to WWE. I got news on Claudio Castagnoli giving us some opinion, giving us more about his opinions on Vince McMahon and what his former boss thought about him, as well as AEW expanding their talent relations and development team. And I'll explain why this is actually a big move for AEW on the other side of episode 345 of the YLP podcast. We'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the main event segment of today's episode. And of course, that means 
a brand spanking new episode of News of the Week. The show that talks about all the news that's fit for me to talk about. And we have plenty of news on tap for this week. That's what you came here for, isn't it? And if it wasn't, well, sorry about your damn luck. But let us not waste any more dang time. Let us get right into the news, shall we? Starting off this week, the rumor that followed SummerSlam this week. News of Sasha Banks and Naomi reaching a deal to return to WWE. I'm looking at F4WOnline.com right now for an article from the man known as Joseph Curry. Let's get into the news. It appears that Sasha Banks and Naomi could soon be returning to WWE. WrestlingNews.co reported on Monday that they've been told an agreement has been reached for Sasha Banks and Naomi to return to WWE. The report stated that there is a belief backstage that we may see them return on two nights Raw. Now, mind you, this was from Monday and no, that did not show up on Raw. And I'll explain how I think of what could happen in just a bit or in near or in the near future under Triple H's regime. Banks and Naomi haven't appeared on television since walking out of an episode of Raw this past May. Banks and Naomi walked out after taking issue with the creative direction of which I have discussed on this program many times. And if you haven't checked that out, check those past ones out. I believe they were from May. So yeah, you can check those for check those ones out if you do so choose, but do it after you listen today to today's episode. We shall continue on. After Banks and Naomi walked out, WWE suspended both indefinitely and announced that the Women's Tag Team Championships were now vacant. It was said that a tournament would be held to crown new champions, but that tournament hasn't taken place. On Wrestling Observer on Live uh, on that afternoon, on Wrestling Observer Live, I'm sorry, that afternoon, Brian Alvarez addressed WrestlingNews.com's report saying, quote, I am not 100% confirming this, but since everybody is asking about it, I do have one source who is saying that yes, Sasha and Naomi have made a deal to return, Alvarez said. So we'll know more, I'm sure, within two hours, but I'll just say I think it's true. I'm pretty sure, but I can't say 100%, end quote. Uh, Raj Giri of Wrestling Inc. reported in June that Banks received her, had received her release from WWE, and WWE hadn't confirmed that report or had commented it at all. <laughs> Excuse me. Dave Meltzer stated on the Sports Illustrated Media podcast last week that he heard WWE would be attempting to reconcile with Banks and Naomi. Banks and Naomi are set to appear at the C2E2 Comet Chicago Comic and Entertainment Expo convention in Chicago this weekend. With Paul Triple H Levesque now in charge of creative, the WWE Women's Division was also bolstered by Bailey, Dakota Kai, and Io Shirai, now going by the name Io Sky, returning at SummerSlam. And they had a, and WWE had a tweet or whatever, but it's irrelevant. With Vince gone, this does open the door for Sasha Banks and Naomi to make their return to WWE. Because honestly, I guess I'll just go over the booking again, just in case for those you may have missed out on uh, the spectacle. In terms of how on a sell, WWE was going to, excuse me, have this wonderful, uh, what, six-pack challenge to determine the number one contender for the uh, women, uh, Raw Women's Championship at the time. Winner would face Bianca. 
What WWE had planned was that they were going to have Naomi win the six-pack challenge, pinning Sasha Banks, and going on to face Bianca Belair at Hell in a Cell for the WWE Raw Women's Championship. They were going to use Sasha then to face Ronda Rousey at Hell in a Cell for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Well, when they caught wind of that, that's when all hell broke loose. They put their belts down. They told pretty much, essentially, without saying it out loud, to go fuck to tell WWE to go fuck themselves, and uh, they walked out because of the fact that WWE weren't going to do anything with the, in terms of the women's tag team championships until at least Money in the Bank, possibly. <laughs> so yeah, I would be a bit upset too. But now that Vince McMahon has uh, essentially retired and. Decided to ride into the sunset with an extra, what, 300 some odd million dollars from uh, his severance package or whatever it was. Could be more. Could be less. I don't know. If y'all know, let me know. Uh, hit me up with a voice message and let me know how much he actually made. I forget the number exactly. But with Vince gone now, this opens the door for Sasha and Naomi to come back. It does. And they should come back. I mean, don't get me wrong. If, you know, Mercedes Varnado actually left and went to the AEW, honestly, A, I wouldn't be surprised. B, it would be a shock for people now that Triple H is in charge in terms of creative. But now that we have Triple H at the helm in terms of creative and have with uh, Sasha Banks having worked with Triple H, of course, in NXT, I know for a fact that Triple H would do right by those tag team championships for the ladies. And what I see, or what we could see, coming down the pike in terms of maybe Clash of the Castle in about uh, four weeks. What if Triple H did bring them back? What if the rumor is true? What if the rumor is legit and Sasha Banks and Naomi come back to aid Bianca Belair in her now feud with Bailey, Dakota Kai, and Io Sky? I'm sure if you watched Raw this past Monday, which I did for the first time in legitimately fully a little over two years, maybe three at best. I don't at this point, it doesn't really fucking matter. I watched an entire episode of Raw. And I felt that it would be prime time. Especially, you know, with uh, Asuka and Alexa Bliss. That, that might become a thing on Raw, but it won't be a thing. It's Clash of the Castle. It's not too... Yeah, it, is a, it just wouldn't make sense. I think what WWE could do with that is have whatever you're going to call this stable... Take out Asuka and Alexa Bliss in the process. Leaving Bianca in a three-on-one situation. It's, it looks like Bianca's about to, you know, get the beat down. When you hear Sasha Banks' music. And out come Sasha Banks and Naomi. I'm not saying it will happen. But if it does, you're welcome. But it's something that WWE could do. To help that rumor become true is to bring them back for a six-woman tag. Bianca, Sasha, Naomi versus Bailey, Dakota Kai, Eoskai. 
that would be something I think Triple H would entertain. 100%. And on top of that, Clash of the Castle is going to be in Cardiff, Wales, a UK event for the first time in 30 years. You would want, and I know, and we all, I think, have a feeling that Triple H would do this, is that he would ensure the best quality card possible for an event of this magnitude. Makes sense. I mean, you, I mean, you already have Roman and uh, Drew at the top of the card, which I know fans are anticipating and what we talked about here on the podcast as well. But that would be the move for me. I think that would be the match. Not only do you ensure, you know, maybe, you know, Bianca on the road gets a defense, gets a title defense against the uh, EO at, at one point, maybe before uh, the matchup. Um, but all signs to me are right now are pointing to a six-woman tag at Clash of the Castle with Bianca, Sasha Banks, and Naomi versus Bailey, Dakota Kai, EO Sky. If it happens to be wrong, so be it. But that's the way I'm booking in my head right now. Do I think they come back, though? I think they do. I think they have more, much more trust in Triple H in terms of creative, and I know how much he would do right by them um, in terms of creative. If there's, if he's going to hold the tournament to have women's tag team champions, I am knowing for a fact that he's going to give those belts back to them. <laughs> but in a way, he's going to make them earn it. But... If you're gonna do it, if you're gonna actually have the tournament be known, then you have your final in Kai and Sky versus Banks and Naomi. Something to think about. Hopefully they do come back though, because that would be nice and uh, it would help out the uh, women's division very, very much. But as far as I know, Banks and Naomi are SmackDown. We shall see. We'll see what happens on this build towards uh. Class of the Castle. We'll keep an eye on it. Hopefully they do come back, though, because I would love to see them come back and do work in the Triple H era. But let's continue on with some news. We head over to ProWrestlingNewsHub.com. Claudio Castagnoli opens up a bit more about his opinions of Vince McMahon and what his former boss thought about him. This is from Dominic Marinelli. Last time Claudio Castagnoli was asked about Vince McMahon and why he and WWE parted ways... Or rather, why Castagnoli chose to leave WWE, he took the high road and was a gentleman. Many knew what Vince McMahon thought of him. Specifically, he felt that Castagnoli, or rather Cesaro as he was known in WWE, lacked a certain sort of charisma. Many over the years came to Castagnoli's defense, and for great reason. Uh, Claudio Castagnoli is and always was a genius pro wrestler. An epic athlete, strong, and spoiler alert, but boy was he charismatic. To right off the bat disagree with, uh, with McMahon. He had that European flair that definitely goes a long way, and he had a massive portion of the audience behind him, and that was whether he was a heel or a face. Even McFoley begged McMahon to give Castagnoli a run at the top, but it never happened. Foley actually begged, got on his knees, and addressed McMahon on the Broken Skull Sessions with Stone Cold Steve Austin, but as stated, to no avail. According to Cultaholic.com, McMahon made the comments about Claudio lacking charisma specifically back in 2014, when he apparently applauded his physique. Gee. Thanks, I guess. Well, Castagnoli still, uh, I was about to say violently, still very politely has decided to open up a tad more on how he feels about how Vince McMahon felt about him. Excuse me. He made the following comments at StarCast 5, saying, quote, I thought he was wrong. I feel charisma comes in different forms, shapes, sizes. Not everybody has that over-the-top ultimate warrior shaking the ropes, crazy yelling, screaming type of charisma, Montez Ford looking at you. 
Not that I'm sitting here telling... Okay, that last bit I may have entered in there. Don't worry about it. Not that I'm sitting here telling you how awesome my charisma is, but I felt I had a connection with the fans in the United States and all over the world. While other people are known for long promos that are translated in many languages and doesn't always come across, my stuff was about the in-ring work and people can connect with that. It may take a bit longer, but I did connect with a lot of the fans and they were behind me. I don't know if it's not what he was looking for, but in the end, it brought me here. And you guys are here to see me, end quote. And so we see his side of the story that much clearer. For me, I figured Castagnoli was unhappy at WWE soon after Backlash last year, in which he lost to Roman Reigns, a match I argue to this day he should have won instead. Makes a case. But they weren't going to take that title off of Reigns at that point either. It was shortly after New Year's that he posted a photo on his Instagram. He, he looking out at a beautiful body of water with mountains in the background, which honestly this picture is... Dope, and I want to know where that is so I can find it and take picture there too one day. Oh, nature is beautiful. And that's why I live in Colorado. Anywho, uh, and he captioned the photo saying, quote, recharge, reflect, new year, end quote. I knew something was brewing, and not just the coffee he loved so much. And sure enough, he was gone from WWE. Just like that. But after some time off, he debuted in the AEW, and in a short amount of time, he has been involved in numerous main events and high spots of AEW programming, and he has just won his first world title in the ROH Championship. ROH World Championship, get it right. Winning it at Death Before Dishonor. Looks like Vincent Kennedy McMahon was wrong about that too, eh? Claudio Castagnoli is one hell of a talent. He is a great talent. Cesaro, Claudio, whatever the fuck you want to call him. He is a great talent. He is a fantastic talent because of the fact that this man was strength, power, charisma, can talk, can play a face or heel. He had it. He had everything. He, there were so like around that time, there were so many talents you could look at and think that has world champion quality. Rusev at the time was one of them. Cesaro definitely was one. Ziggler definitely at the time. I think around that section too. He, he was definitely. But for some odd reason, WWE never gave Cesaro that shot to be the man. He could go with the best of them. Anyone you put across the ring from him, he's going to work with. And he's going to make a fantastic match, regardless if it's, if it's like 8 minutes or 38 minutes. Cesaro, Claudio, whatever you want to call him, had it. In WWE, I already I had seen him at least at the time World Heavyweight Champion. Big gold around his waist. He didn't need to be, world, he didn't need to be WWE Champion. But hell, shit, Jack Swagger, <laughs> Jake Hager was a former World Heavyweight Champion in WWE. He can say that. And, uh, forgot that he was also one half of the Real Americans. Anywho. Cesaro in WWE, to me, was a very, very missed, big missed opportunity for the company as a whole. Especially when, you know, they already had the, you know, the shield and all that. Guys like Cesaro definitely don't come around that often. Size and mind you, he swung the big show. Oh, you know he suit. No, he picked up the big show and slammed the fucking shit out of him. That's what he did. Like to not want to book this man as your world champion is beyond my train of thought. 
No, I understand he can, he's going to go the gracious route, and that's perfectly fine. Be a gentleman about it. We got we'll we'll talk to the shit rest of the shit for you, because I do go to bat for Claudio Castagnoli. I'm happy that he left WWE. I'm happy that he's in AEW. I'm happy that he's in Blackpool Combat Club. I'm happy that he's also finally a world champion. I'm very happy with that. I am very content with that because of the fact that he deserved it. He has all the tools you need to be world champion, yet WWE didn't want to give him a shot. He had all of it. He had his, he had, he had the fanfare. Oh, wait. Yeah, that Cesaro section didn't come from Vince McMahon, did it? That came organically. Hmm. Hmm, that could be part of it. But when I look at you know Claudio Castagnoli and finally and seeing him finally holding world championship gold, it makes my heart smile. It makes me very happy to see Claudio finally get his just due. It, this is his first world championship, and it took him all this time to get it. He had he had he, they, they should have given him at least one good run, a decent run with the world championship, just to see what he could do as a top guy. Maybe in the future, who knows? But like a world heavyweight championship title run would have been something that could have maybe somewhere down the line paid dividends for him. Hell, if you gave Braun Strowman the Universal Championship, why couldn't you give one to Cesaro? I'm just saying. Not asking for a friend. But I think y'all get the point. But we shall move on, though. We shall move on to our next bit of news. As we head over to eWrestlingNews.com, this is actually a big uh, big news for me, uh, and especially for AEW, too. AEW expands talent relations and development team. Big news. Quite happy for uh, <clears throat> the team. Excuse me. Oh, my goodness. Banging and shit. But this is a good thing for Tony Khan, and we'll explain why. But let's get into this article from Andrew Ravens. AEW has announced that former Impact Wrestling star Madison Rain will join the promotion as a coach in the women's division. Also, key staff members including Sanjay Dutt, QT Marshall, Pat Buck, and Tony Schiavone were promoted to AEW's talent relations team. AEW issued the following. AEW announces expansion of talent relations and development team. Roles for Sanjay Dutt, QT Marshall, Pat Buck, and Tony Schiavone will increase under expanded talent relations team. Madison Rain joining to coach women's division. August 3rd, 2022. Start date 9-3428.8. <laughs> AEW CEO, GM, and head of creative Tony Khan. Announced an expansion to AEW's talent relations team with the promotions of key staff members including Sanjay Dutt, QT Marshall, Pat Buck, and Tony Schiavone. In addition, Madison Rain will join AEW as a coach in the women's division. As AEW continues its meteoric rise, the expanded talent relations team will strengthen the infrastructure required to facilitate the development, health, and safety of AEW's outstanding roster. The following promotions and additions are effective immediately. Sanjay Dutt has promoted has been promoted to Vice President of Production and Creative Coordination. In this role, he will coordinate communication of AEW storylines, liaison, liaison. That's a word. 
between post-production and key staff to maintain content workflow, produce ancillary content, and mentor new producers. Dutt joined AEW in 2021, bringing more than 20 years of experience in professional wrestling, both in-ring and as a producer, and continues to serve on-screen as manager to Satnam Singh and Jay Lethal. QT Marshall has been promoted to Vice President of Show and Creative Coordination. He will help manage show elements, including planning programs and storylines, character development, and overseeing extras and live events logistics coordination. Marshall, an AEW original with more than 20 years of experience, will continue to wrestle as the leader of the factory with Anthony Agogo, Nick Camarotto, Aaron Solo, and Cole Carter. Pat Buck has been promoted to Vice, Vice President of Talent Development. In this position, he will liaise... I don't know that word... With talent and production, oversee all coaches, provide input on print matches and promos, and lead the talent relations team. Buck brings nearly two decades of experience serving wrestling promotions as a talent, trainer, producer, and promoter. Tony Schiavone has been promoted to senior producer and special advisor to talent. In this capacity, he will work directly with talent as part of the talent relations team. Giovanni is one of the most one of AEW's most tenured members and has nearly 40 years of experience with an iconic voice that has guided fans through professional wrestling's most incredible moments. And then there's Madison Rain, who will join AEW as a coach in the women's division and kick off her new role tonight in her hometown of Columbus, Ohio. Oh, very nice. Congratulations on that. Madison has competed in numerous professional wrestling promotions where she has held multiple championship titles, including five-time women's world champion. She has more than 15 years of experience in professional wrestling and is also a proud mom to a daughter. Christopher Daniels, an AEW original who brings more than 30 years of industry experience, will continue to serve as manager of talent relations. The talent relations team will also remain in close contact with AEW's legal and talent resources team, led by Margaret Margaret Stalvey, Chris Peck, and uh, Mega Parikh. Who help to support the physical and mental health and safety and security of talent? AEW is also committed to supporting talent beyond the ring and offers access to world class physicians, trainers, and mental health clinicians. This is wonderful for Mr. Uh, Tony Khan because this will take a lot of uh, stuff off of his plate. And when you have talent uh, the likes of a uh, Madison Rain coaching the women's division, yeah, that's going to be a big freaking deal. And I want to focus on Madison Rain for just a second. Because Madison Rain is definitely a heck of a talent. Um, definitely in uh, my heyday of watching Impact Wrestling. Um, the Beautiful People with uh, Angelina Love and Madison Rain. And then uh, Carrie Von Erich came in to the, uh, full for like three seconds. And uh, yeah, they were definitely one of the better heel duos in terms of the knockouts division in Impact Wrestling. They definitely were in like in their heyday. They were definitely in their bag and definitely some of the most hated talent by fans in Impact. And it was really, really good to see that type of talent. They were the Iconics before the Iconics were a thing. That's not to be uh, knocking anybody on that. No digs. We ain't trying to do that here today. But she brings a lot of experience. She's done commentary, too, by the way, when she was on Impact. She brings a lot of experience to that. I think with her being as, you know, coaching the women's division, this is going to be a magnificent opportunity for the women's division to be worked on even more. Because now you have, you know, talent like Tony Storm, you have Thunder Rosa, you have Britt Baker, Jamie Hayter, 
You have all this talent, like Chris Statlander. You have Jade Cargill. Think of how much it's going to help. You know, a lot of this. You know, of the talent in the company of Red Velvet, of Kiera Hogan, of Julia Julia Hart. I think she's going to definitely probably get some. Um, you know, big ups uh, from Madison Rain and learn from you know someone the likes of her. You know, and bouncing ideas off of Madison. It definitely helps the cause. Um, in a division where a lot of us probably run, are on the side of, I know this division could be better. Just saying, you know, it's one of those things, you know, Madison Rain becoming the coach, I think definitely helps the cause. I think she can definitely do bring a lot of, um, you know, insight into this division. I think everybody in that division is definitely going to be, you know, Feeding off of that too, because I'm sure they're contemporaries, colleagues, and, and you know, at some with some of them, it's just going to be a big help for the women's division. I think it's definitely going to be a bigger help than a lot of people think right now, and it's going to be very nice. Also, one other person I think definitely, even though we, we clowned him, uh, Pat Buck, working with talent and production, overseeing all of the coaches, providing input on matches and promos, and leading the talent relations team. That is big. As well as, let me see, because I know Tony, Tony Schiavone, Pat Bug, and I think QT Marshall are going to be working with, that's the key he's got. Yeah, these three, Marshall, Buck, and Shivani, I think, definitely are going to be three people. And if you add, I mean, I guess we can add in that too, because they're all kind of connected in some way, shape, or form. Um, with Sanjay Dutt, you know, doing a post-production and key, you know, maintaining a workflow. Actually, that'd be more... I mean, he's at, he's at the storylines part. He's at the storylines part. QT Marshall, well, QT Marshall will plan the, you know, helps plan the programs and the storylines and the character development. With then Pat Buck overseeing all of it, all the coaches, you know, providing input on matches of promos with talent and production, and then you have, of course, the the experience of Tony Schiavone, just being a special being that special advisor to talent. This is going to be a solid team, and it takes a lot off of Tony's plate. Because I'm sure he was, I'm not saying he was running around with a chicken with his head cut off or anything, but, you know, when you're, you know, doing all of this, you know, of course, CEO, GM, and head of creative. I think bringing in Madison Rain just as a coach for the women's division is going to Help out so much. And if she's competing as well, that's not a bad thing either because you just got another, you have another talent for the division to work with, which helps the cause. But the, I think the one that's going to be a little bit overlooked will be Christopher Daniels' position. Um, continuing to serve as manager of talent relations and uh, making sure, you know, the physical and mental health of ta- safety and security of talent is just as best as it could be. All of this, I think, can really help. But the key is Madison Ring. As coach of the women's division, I think we're having her in the fold. Is this gonna be? Is this gonna help up? You know, elevate that women's division just a little bit more. And who knows? Somewhere down the line, maybe Rain wants to work with a Britt Baker. You, you know, maybe against Thunder Rosa. You never know. She may compete in the ring. If you're just gonna be, if she's gonna be on the sidelines doing the coaching thing, that never hurts the cause too. But if she does compete, that would be fun to see her in the ring. In AEW. That's just me personally. I'm just going to leave it at that though. I digress and we shall move on. As we head over to whatculture.com. 
And this this is probably like the this is a little bit of a two for here. I'll explain in a second. But WWE backstage morale is up huge following Triple H's raw success. What did you think it wasn't going to be? This is officially from Scott Carlson. If the internet chatter wasn't enough of a sign, it looks like the talent themselves are feeling pretty optimistic about WWE after a very different episode of Raw on Monday. Fightful Select had been told the uh, August 1st Raw would be a statement as the first true show under the Triple H regime. The result was a program that featured a show-long thread of a, involving a revamped and reimagined women's division, a mini-tournament to set up a title match for next week, an increased focus on wrestling, and several wrestlers who had been shunted to the background finally getting a spotlight. Fightful reports that numerous rep- wrestlers across multiple brands are feeling optimistic again about WWE with Triple H behind the controls of creative. One NXT talent told the outlet that bringing Dakota Kai back just days after assuming power is a great indication of what could be on the horizon. Mm. Sorry to get some water. Two top talents were reportedly excited to not wrestle the same person weekly, as WWE had devolved lately into a series of rematches and had become a stale hamster wheel of a show. Those Fightful talked to were also positive about superstars like Champa and Mustafa Ali, two grossly underutilized wrestlers, if you want to add a third, Dominic Dajakovic, getting prominent spots to show off on Raw with Ciampa becoming the number one contender for the United States Championship after defeating AJ Styles. It's hard to believe this is the same WWE of just a few months ago, but the truth is, this isn't the same company. Its leader of the past 40 years has bowed out, and we're seeing a series of changes. Whether these changes are long-term and serious remains to be seen, but Fightful noted that no one one they spoke to had any concerns about Vince McMahon no longer spearheading the creative process. Of course it was going to happen. Excuse me. Of course you were going to have morale being boosted. Because when you had the likes of Vince McMahon running the show. And you're, you know, like one, like two top talents that said not, you know, excited not to wrestle the same person weekly. Devolved lately into a series of rematches and it had become a stale hamster wheel of a show. Yeah. I think that would be a fair assessment. A very fair assessment. Of where WWE can be taken when the white people are in power. And you don't have people who are just treating this like just a one man, you know. Impression and press contest or whatever. That's the thing. That's the really big thing. (laughs) Excuse me. Is that there were so many problems that needed to be addressed that weren't being addressed that were never going to be addressed until the people that were in power were pretty much gone. The one top one is gone. Immediately. Upon finding out Triple H has created, those who have worked with Triple H, probably in NXT, was probably happy than a motherfucker that Triple H is now at the helm. I would. If I were working for WWE and I was getting underutilized like shit, yeah, I'd be happy than a motherfucker too that Triple H is leading the charge in terms of creative. Now there's hope for the talent. 
now there's hope that, wow, we're actually going to be able to be put in actual proper positions. You know, not wrestling the same people every week, not having to, you know, do boring, stupid segments, not just catering and ensuring, you know, the the validation and the pen on the head from Vince McMahon. No, that's dead. That's done now. They made their statement on Monday. I watched it. I watched Raw. And I thought that was actually a damn good show compared to what y'all have been used to watching. Anyway, you know, anything, you know, anything better than what you're, you, you know, y'all are used to seeing on Raw. Because as y'all know, I don't watch Raw. I never had for years. It's basically, you know, anything better than what Vince McMahon was giving you is will always and forever be an improvement. It goes from an F to an A like that. And now it's going to be done on a consistent basis, not just for a one night only type deal. This is now the norm here. Talent that's been underutilized will be brought into the fold. Focusing on wrestling. And I think if if I overheard correctly, I was I forget who I was listening to about it. There was actually 80 minutes of wrestling. With the first hour being pretty much wrestling. Promos and all that stuff. Commercial free. They're not gonna do that every week, of course, but to give us that give us that statement of just like this, like you are here to watch wrestling. We had two solid triple threat matches that showcased Mustafa Ali and Champa. And Champa is now the new number one contender for the United States Championship. That is fantastic. I've been saying for the longest time now that the, that the mid-card championship needs to start getting some shine. And if this, is, if this is the case for what we see on a regular basis on Raw, you'd be damn sure that we're going to get that same consistency on SmackDown. And that will help Walter, Gunter, or whatever. With Walter with the Intercontinental Championship. Because personally, I'm still waiting on Walter for Shinsuke Nakamura. You build that up pretty nice. And I guarantee you, you can get you a nice little match of the year candidate. No problem. Promise you that much. Walter Shinsuke Nakamura it will just be fire. You know it and I know it. Just saying. But that's the thing. Braun Smackdown are going to you know, immensely be better. NXT is going to take some time. Because, as you all know, they turned that into Nickelodeon 2.0. So it's going to take a little bit more time for them to get that going. But this has legs. And if the backstage morale is up huge, it can only go up from here. Because, honestly, they're, we're already at rock bottom to begin with. And one person that's actually really, really, really happy about this is Eric Bischoff um, who said about uh, Triple H leading creative this is from Fightful.com by the way and this is the last bit of uh, news we have for this week I'm very very optimistic and this is uh, from Colin Tessier Eric Bischoff is optimistic about what Triple H can do now that he's running WWE creative Triple H was named the company's new head of creative after Vince McMahon retired on July 22nd Alongside the news of McMahon's departure, WWE announced that Stephanie McMahon and Nick Khan have been appointed as new chief co-chief co- executive officers. Officers, Jeez, I cannot speak English. I, then again, I can't speak English any week, so it'd be like that sometimes. During an appearance, though, on Out of Character with Ryan Satin, that bum, 
Bischoff was asked to describe what Triple H needs to do in order to improve the company. The WWE Hall of Famer responded by noting that he's optimistic about the change in leadership. He credited Vince McMahon's system and his process before pointing out that some things need to change, saying, quote, Here's what I'm excited about. I'm very, very optimistic. Now, I'm not tight with Triple H. We get along. We can be together in a room, and it can be very, very pleasant and borderline fun. But we don't hang. He doesn't drink anyway, but if we did, we didn't go out for drinks. None of that. We don't chat, so I don't know him personally. But I did get the chance to, for a very brief period of time, four, back, four months back in 2019, get a chance to work with him when he was executive creative uh, director of Monday Night Raw before he got the boot not even a week later. Here's what I think. I think Stephanie has been the head of creative under Vince. I think Triple H has been the head of creative under Vince. I think both of them know that as phenomenal of a process as Vince McMahon's process was and what it achieved over the past couple of decades, the fact that it's a $5 billion market cap company with a global footprint speaks to Vince McMahon in this process. If I'm right, there's a whole lot of talented people that I did get to work with a lot for a short period of time that I have nothing but admiration, not disrespect. That comes along with the admiration. So at the same time, you got a new creative regime, although it came up under the mentorship of Vince McMahon. That's a great thing, by the way. But they also see that things have to change, end quote. Bischoff also brought up the report that WWE Raw might be shifting back to a TV-14 rating. He shared his belief that, his, that this move would be beneficial for the product because it would, be, it would open up some storytelling possibilities. Saying, quote, oh, and by the way, if this TV-14 thing is true... That means we get a whole bunch of different colors that we can put in our palette to paint our pictures with. We're no longer restricted to just these few little colors here because these are safe colors. And advertisers love these colors and this is where we make our money. But if we're going to move into a different rating because the networks are comfortable with the fact that they can increase revenues by going a little older and skewing a little older, that gives writers and painters more colors to to paint pictures with. End quote. I like what he's saying. I like what he's saying. Because... What was crazy when they brought when they had Paul Heyman and then they had Eric Bischoff going to be executive creative directors of Raw and SmackDown? I was quite excited for it, very excited for it. But my excitement then turned to hesitation because of the fact that they still had to, they were still working under Bruce and Vince. They had to answer to them, so not everything they wanted to do would go through. And it was concerning. Quite concerning, and the fact that um, they they could have done something great with with those two above the talent on Raw and SmackDown, and working with them, I think it would have definitely worked out. Unfortunately, didn't. Because what it means, it is what it is. But I like the fact that Bischoff's very optimistic with Triple H in control of creative. Hopefully they actually hang out a couple more times. I mean, I know, you know, Triple H doesn't drink, but hey, they can hang out. They can chill, you know, do what it is y'all do in the industry. It bees what it, you know, do what you do. It bees what it bees is what it is. But I think this is definitely an opportunity for WWE to, as uh, Bischoff said, you know, getting a whole bunch of colors that we can put onto our palette to paint our pictures with. You know, they're no longer restricted to just these few little colors here because they are safe colors and advertisers love these colors. You can go, you can do more now with a mind like Triple H. You can do a lot more with that mind. You can do tons more with the mind that Triple H has. Just look at what he did with NXT before I went to Nickelodeon 2.0. 
Think about that. Really think about that. If you were a fan of the black and gold, you already know exactly what we're going to be getting with Triple H on the main roster with talent like Seth Rollins, Roman Reigns, uh, guys like Austin Theory, and you have guys like Bobby Lashley, and you have talent like um, Max Dupree, who should be L.A. Knight, but we ain't going to get into that right now. It's a whole different story. But when you have talent like, you know, the Nakamores, the Walt, the Valters, the Dijakovics, the Riddles, the, you know, the Theories, you have, you know, the Mustafa Ali's, the Champas, you have all this talent, but we're not utilizing them in the proper light. And it sucks. It's painful. It's painful. Absolutely painful. Because of the simple fact that WWE wasn't able to have this opportunity to do something fantastic. WWE hasn't had an opportunity in 40 years. Well, I would, if I'm going to be a conservative estimate, I would say the last 15 years they haven't been able to do anything properly. And um, they've had their moments. WWE, is, as I've always stated, before Vince McMahon retired, they've had their moments. But they weren't doing it on a consistent basis. And when you have those start stop weeks, stop, uh, you know, start stop situations. Don't mind me, I'm just holding the mic because this is the last bit of the thing part we're going to have for the show this week. When WWE gives us moments, but they aren't remaining consistent, it, it was a problem. Now, WWE has the opportunity to actually, without a doubt, give us consistency. That is the biggest thing WWE has not done in these last few years. Be consistent. Consistency now is the name of the game for WWE from here on out. For as long as Triple H runs creative. This is an opportunity to create long-term consistent storylines that don't have you scratching your head three minutes after the segment ended. You've seen If you've seen what he's done in NXT Black and Gold, that's what you should be expecting for the main roster here on, from here on out. Long-term consistent storylines. Matches that will captivate and the masses... Storylines that keep you interested and invested. Think who took out Aleister Black in the parking lot. That is, I think, the probably, at least in my opinion, the greatest storyline NXT Black and Gold ever did. I'm lying. It's Gargano Champa and everybody knows that. But Gargano Champa was in the involved in that. So technically, they kind of intertwined. I would say in terms of, you know, who took out Aleister Black, because which because that pretty much led to Gargano Jampa. Um, it's stories lines like that that really captivate fans. Who did it? Who took out Aleister Black? Nikki Cross was the key to everything. And from there we went. Into what essentially became one of the greatest story, one of the greatest feuds of all time in in black and gold. But we can do things like that. 
We can get things like that now in WWE because Triple H is at the helm. I'm just saying. WWE has this chance. And they're going to take it. And I think they're going to do great by it. Just saying, WWE, I know I know what Triple H can do. You know what Triple H can do in terms of booking. And now we're going to hopefully see that on the main roster. In due time, my friends, Monday Night Raw, Friday Night Smackdowns, and NXT will go back to a sense of normalcy. But when I mean, but when I say no normalcy, I mean better than Vince could ever do it. And that's going to conclude episode 345 of the YLP podcast. When we come back, we're going to close out the show in proper YLP fashion and get you ready for episode 346 of the YLP podcast. We'll be right back. Well, guys, that's going to be it for episode 345 of the YLP podcast. I want to thank you guys so much for taking time out of your day, your night, your afternoon, and your evening. Wherever you may be, wherever you are. I'm not going to do the whole thing because right now Miss YLP is sleeping at the moment and I do not want to wake her up with my loud dang thing. But you know the gist of it. Thank you so much, of course, for checking this episode of the podcast. And as always, I greatly and truly appreciate it. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, or opinions about today's episode or any of the other 344 episodes of the YLP Podcast, do not hesitate to hit me up with a voice message over on anchor.fm slash Perspective, anchor.fm slash Radio, over on ambiguouspodcastsolutions.com, and anywhere else you listen to the podcast. Now, if you want to stay up to date with everything that's going on with the YLP Podcast, do not hesitate to follow me on my social media. Excuse me. You can find me over on Twitter at YL Perspective. It's capital YLP Perspective. If you want to find me over on Instagram, I can be found there at Young underscore Alliance underscore Perspective. And you can also find me on Facebook. And yes, I still have a Facebook. Don't remind me. It's painful as it is. But if you want to find me over there, you can simply search for Young Alliance Perspective Podcast. Follow me on all these platforms to stay up to date with everything that's going on with the YLP Podcast. Of course, if you enjoyed this episode, do not hesitate to tell a friend to tell a friend about the YLP Podcast. Share this episode across all of your social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. You can send it by Carrier Pigeon, Bottle Rocket. I don't give a, give a fuck how you spread the word. Just spread the word. Share this episode with all the friends that you know of that love professional wrestling as much as you do. And yeah, haven't enjoyed by many. By, by many. Because it's always good with the YLP podcast, the Brace for Impact podcast, and the Fretz Media podcast. And don't you dare forget about the Kings of the Rings podcast. We here at Wrestle Attic Radio strive to bring you top-notch quality entertainment every single week to be the best of the best, the top of the pops, the cream of the crop, y'all. To be recognized then, now, and forever as the alternative for professional wrestling podcast. And may I remind you that we are here too. Stay. Now, I know most of y'all do not have the Anchor app, and that's perfectly fine. Not hurt my feelings whatsoever. Everybody has their particular platform that they use to listen to podcasts. 
But just in case you forgot, we are across so many darn different platforms, it's not even funny. And may I remind you, I do have a little bit of a list going on in my head of which ones we are on. You can, of course, like I said, follow us on Anchor, AmbiguousPodcastSolutions.com. But don't you forget about finding us on Amazon Music, Audible, Player FM, Podcast Addict, Podbean, and as always, shout out to the Podbean gang, Castbox FM, Overcast, Radio Public, Stitcher Radio, and of course, that good old Spotify fam! Search for the entire family of WrestleEdit Radio podcasts across all these different platforms, and you should have no problem finding us whatsoever. None. Simple. Simple as that. I believe I've fulfilled my obligations and all that good stuff for this week. Looking over to the judges to ensure that I have. And this week's country judge is Mongolia. It's been a while since we had the Mongolian judges show up. They do a damn good time. Giving me the thumbs up and a head nod. We're all good for this week. So, what is going down on next week's program? It is strictly going to be all the news that's fit for us to talk about. It's been a crazy couple of weeks. Of course, uh, with the you know four-year celebration of the YLP podcast, and I can't thank you guys enough for that. Yeah, it's literally going to be all about the news. All about the news. Nothing but the motherfucking news. But seriously, guys, um, I hope you guys did enjoy this episode a lot, a lot, a lot. I hope you guys take away something from this episode for, that I've uh, presented to you guys today. Um, hopefully, you guys, you know, Take heed to a little bit of the caution, you know, of what I said in the, in the opening segment of today's episode. Um, again, reflect, recharge, um, and push forward. I hope you guys, you know, do you know do that through the weekend. Get your mind right. Recharge the batteries if you must. Reflect on the week that you had. So that way you can have a better, more productive kick as we going into Monday. And that is, that is the goal, as always, here at the YLP Podcast, to strive to be better Every single day, every single week. That is always, 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 always the goal. And always one thing I always try to push on you guys. Because I love y'all. I do. I really do. Y'all know I do. That's how we get down around here at the YLP Podcast. I figured I'm keeping it short and sweet for the intro. As always, though, as I always state, make sure if you guys uh, are out and about this weekend, drink one for your boy. Enjoy yourselves. Enjoy the time. Please, though. Do so responsibly, and if you do so, take that Uber or Lyft home. No need to take that uh, five figures, and I deal with the lawyer fees and all that nonsense and BS with a DWI hanging over your head. Never a good time, I promise you that. I promise you, because, you know, no need for that, and plus you'll be in jail till Monday. So, don't do that. Don't do that at all. Other than that, guys, I'm going to get the hell out of here. I got some things to do for this weekend. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy whatever it is that you do. I hope you enjoy whether you know whatever it is you may be doing, whether it be gymming it up, whether it be just laying out, getting your tan on, whether it be you know getting some extra sleep, you know that you know from the week that you had. It doesn't matter. Do what you need to do to get yourself right, to get your week ready, to be amazing, fantastic people, and to better yourself, to improve yourself in all things and all points in between. I'm gonna get the hell out of here, guys. I'm gonna enjoy the rest of the weekend and do things. You enjoy your weekend as well. Hope you guys have a very productive kick-ass week ahead. Whatever it is you may do, face it head on, conquer it, and do work. And I'll be right back here just for you guys with all the news that's fit for me to talk about for News of the Week next Saturday for episode 346 of the YLP 
Podcast. See you. Rest in peace, Vince Gully. This has been a Wrestle Attic Radio branded podcast.